Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Mark Lee Morrison from the podcast Low Profile. I live in Olympia, Washington with my wife and two daughters, and I support Vishkana's creative control on Patreon because I appreciate his journalistic integrity. Vish talks with a lot of artists I care about, and he never asks any boring questions. I love hearing his interviews, and as a Patreon supporter, I get to hear even more of them. If you enjoy creative control too, I implore you to join me as a sustaining contributor. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Ezra Furman is a dynamic American musician, author, and artist currently based in the state of Massachusetts. Originally from Chicago, Illinois, Furman has fronted bands like The Harpoons, The Visions, and The Boyfriends, earning critical acclaim for the raw and revealing nature of their truly infectious songs. Furman's latest albums include a stunning punk affair from 2019 called Twelve Nudes, which was followed by the soundtrack for the Netflix series Sex Education, consisting of new and previously heard Furman songs compiled and released on April 24, 2020. Now, both of these records arrived via the Bella Union label, and Ezra and I connected recently for a chat about their social distancing cover song series on social media and David Berman's Silver Jews, how COVID-19 and pandemic precautions have impacted their musical career, keeping one's private life private as a public person, their two new albums, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past guests of this show, like, for example, the wonderful Owen Pallet. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, This is the 538th episode of Creative Control, featuring the outspoken and multi-talented artistic force, Ezra Furman, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Ezra. How's it going? It's going well. It's nice to have you on the show, if I might say. Yeah, it's nice to be on it. I, I've been listening to it. That's I've been listening to old episodes. 
Really? That's that's very kind of you. This is, I assume, in prep, you would not have heard of my tiny little show had I not extended an invitation, I'm sure. <laughs> um, well, I don't, the thing is, I, I guess the first one I listened to was your interview with David Berman, and I realized I had, like, read articles quoting some things from your interview with him. Mm. I thought that was a, that was a great interview. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, that one meant the world to me. And um, I was just saying to my wife last night that uh, I say it every few months. I think David gave me a little gift with that. Um, it was a little present for me that I don't fully understand on some level. We, If you heard it, you will know that we corresponded and had this sort of pen pal relationship as a, I always thought as a fan, you know, a fan hero kind of dynamic. <laughs> But <laughs> but he was always very generous. As soon as he, he made contact with me, he was just very generous uh, and would check in with me when my mom was sick. And yeah, he was a, a lovely guy. And, you know, I that's interesting you bring him up because I was looking at your uh, your Facebook page and you've been doing these um, self-isolation cover songs, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you've gone into, since as they've been going... You've gone into great detail on on some level about who you're covering, why you might be covering them. But one of your earliest ones, I think it was your second one, was a Silver Juice song, and you said very little. I know I thought <laughs> you were just yeah. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't I wasn't quite in the groove yet. Um, so yeah, some of them I've like felt an urge to say something about. I was just trying it out then. I think it was after I did that Silver Juice one. I was like, oh, maybe I'll do one of these every day, and it'll be like. It's turned out to be sort of a grounding ritual for me. Mm -hmm. It's like a daily ritual that is like helps me be kind of outward reaching. Because I mean, right? We're 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 in a time of isolation. Everyone's staying inside, mostly social distancing because of the coronavirus. And mm -hmm. I've realized that like that's my instinct is to be alone totally like spend all my time alone and it's not a good instinct it's just like my tendency but it's not what makes me happy yeah so that's a i don't know those doing a cover song every day there's something about that it like it is a solitary thing but it's also reaching out every day yeah the fact that you've chosen other people's work to put out into the world during this time it's interesting because you're reaching out that extends a bit of comfort, I assume, for yourself, for your mm -hmm. followers and fans to hear from you, to hear a voice. But I think you're also, I assume, in picking covers, you're doing something that gives you comfort. You're, you're picking songs that uh, bring you joy. And um, that exercise, it almost feels like you're reaching out and conversing with the artists or the 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 uh, you know the songwriters, the people behind the songs you love, maybe. Yeah, well, um, there's, I mean, I the, almost all these songs are songs that I, I'm not like learning them to to to. I already mm -hmm. like know them. I mean, I got to brush up a little on some of them, but um, there's this there's this world of songs. I mean, the, to tell you the truth, I like for a little while I wasn't really learning as many other people's songs, which I used to do all the time. And I realized how important it is to do if you're going to write your own. I think it really helps to be like constantly learning the, the chords and the words to other people's songs to make up your own songs. So I had wanted to do a lot more of that mm -hmm. anyway. And then yeah. to... Yeah. Then to make this like gallery of covers, it like, I think it's a cool thing to to see like the songs that an artist, a songwriter carries around in their own head as like these are, this is their collection of like what they think is great, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I was also saying to my wife like, uh, you know, Ezra did a magnetic field song. He did a oh. Neil Young, you know, Ezra did a Neil Young song. And I, and I, my kids and I just did a version of Don't Cry No Tears uh, for some <laughs> friends of Canadian broadcasting thing. So we made a little YouTube video and the thing has kind of blown up. And uh, 
And, and and your motion pictures, by the way, unbelievable. Like I just, I love that song and you did such a, amazing version of it i encourage it this is all on your facebook page primarily right uh yeah and and instagram it's sort of co-posting to both yeah it's it's wonderful i i I, i'm glad you're doing that and i should say as i normally ask uh, near the top of an interview when i'm speaking with someone first of all where in the world are you oh i'm in my house in somerville massachusetts uh that's a boston area okay and how long have you been there well, I moved here in August from uh, from Berkeley, California, across the whole U.S. Wow. And what prompted, that's quite a cultural and uh, <laughs> climate shift, I would guess. So oh, what, yeah. what, prompted, what prompted the move? Um, well, I followed um, someone I love who, uh, who, who got a job here. And, and I... Um, I'll tell you, um, I, at some point, kind of stopped telling specific details of, like, my personal life that much hmm. um, to, to like, interviewers and stuff. And it's, like, it's a little bit, it's a deep, at some point, I just got a really strong instinct to, like, don't tell anybody anything. I guess... <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> okay. No, I, I, you know what? I, I shouldn't have laughed. I, I think your story, <laughs> obviously, there's there's probably solid and sound reasoning for that. And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sure you're going to get into why. The thing is, I it was like a, it was an instinct that I couldn't totally ex- tell. I couldn't totally tell why. But I think it maybe I just started getting burned more and more by like, just like, you know, vicious online commenters you know and i'm like a i'm I'm a gender non-conforming person in public and like you get a lot of you just got if if you like i can't you like you read youtube comments like poking a, a wound and and it's just like they people get really ugly on some of on some of these formats and, and i was like you know what like if everybody gets to see it, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to tell. I don't want to tell the details of my life for like somebody to have some stupid crap to say about. And actually, you know what? I I, I think I was also reading an article about Joan Armitrading. It was Joan mm-hmm. Armitrading. And the mm-hmm. article, this was a few years ago and that I was reading it. And the article said, she has revealed very little of her personal life to the press at all. So very little is known about her personal life. And I got a, I got like a rush of like envy. I was like, Oh, that's the way to do it. So then I, I decided if I felt that, that there's something there. So is your, is the dilemma for you at this point somewhat rooted in the fact that you in the past have been pretty outspoken about your history and your personal life on some level. My, and I'm going to be careful here. I want to respect what you're saying, mm-hmm. but just to, just to contextualize what I think I know about you based on past um, expressions or, or biography or what have you, um, you, I believe you most identify with the transgender community, correct? Yeah. Right. And in terms of gender pronouns, you, they, he, she uses them all. Is that correct? I use them all. I kind of, I, I push she and her forward sort of first because those are the ones that people, uh, I don't know, pe- people have, will not use if I don't push it forward a little bit. But I, I really do think they all apply, and I can't be mis- misgendered. It's kind of a superpower that I have. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like I misspoke earlier once already, but one of the, your most recent um, you know, biographical dispatches for the excellent oh, man— what a great record 12 nudes is. I haven't said this yet. So, oh, But thanks. I just—I'll uh, get to that in a moment— this is the first line from the bio for this album. This is our punk record, says Ezra Furman, introducing his new album, 12 Nudes. And then I saw some oscillation between 
uh, he and she. And so, yeah, I'm just being frank with you. I, I, you, because you have said, I think publicly, I use them all. Uh, I, 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 that leads to people alternating a little bit. I don't think they mean it in a mean spirited way. It's just no, trying no, to, it's yeah, it's it, it lit- it's literally they're all correct. They, they, there's no uh, yeah, you, okay. You didn't misspeak. Nobody, nobody can misspeak pronoun wise about me. Right. Okay. Um, okay. That's 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 fair. So the dilemma. Let me get back to the dilemma. I just wanted to contextualize for people who may not be familiar with you or me mm-hmm. <laughs> where where we're coming from. Yeah. So so the dilemma then is is the dilemma for you. I have been outspoken. I have talked about my personal life in my work in interviews. Uh, now you want to try to put a bit of a a stop on that. Is that what you're saying to some extent? I guess so. I, I guess, I mean, yeah, I, I was really just telling everybody kind of everything like uh, five years ago or something. And I was getting sort of my mo- first more serious press attention back then. And, um, you know, you just have to, I mean, I, you know, I, you, you watch everybody kind of, get it either like get it wrong about you you know or describe you like people just would make up a biography for me that wasn't correct because it kind of was a story and mm-hmm. they that's what they thought they heard they thought i heard I, uh they thought they heard i was re- raised in like a repressive orthodox jewish like homophobic home or something which is so far from the truth and uh and I like broke free, <laughs> and then they just like stuff like that. Um, where where would they have gotten that from? Well, because I told them I'm um, observant, tending to Orthodox hmm. Jewish, hmm. and then they just were like, "Oh, it must be this tale of uh, redemption from um, repression," which is <laughs> not quite right. So I guess I just stop. But like I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to talk about that stuff. I guess it's like the people I'm closest to are like who I'm dating or whatever that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's that's that one stays private. Oh sure, no, I, I mean I, I've long established this question. Okay, so here's a weird thing. Uh, people are in self-isolation. You were talking earlier about how maybe this is just your natural state anyway, and you've come yeah. to... Re- we're learning a lot about ourselves <laughs> in yeah. this sort of first... For- it's kind of weirdly forced isolation and a kind of forced displacement that North Americans and Western culture is not used to. I think other regions, other places are war-torn regions, uh, regions where illness is rampant, we're getting a taste of that for the first time. And so we're learning a lot about ourselves from, I think, relatively comfortable positions with our Netflix and our streaming and our, our phones and our podcasts and what, what have you. So that's, that's weird. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's interesting because as a broadcaster journalist, for me, uh, I'm seeing all these like mainstream people saying, I got to do my talk show from my house. And I got to do my radio broadcast from my house. And I'm like, well, that's what I've always done. I, I've lived in Canada. Yeah. I've lived in a small town in Canada. I lived in Guelph, Ontario for most of my life. Uh, and then just recently we moved to Edmonton, Alberta. So I'm uh, where you just were, I believe, right? You were yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. How is, oh, by the way, how was that? Oh, yeah, Edmonton. That was fun. We, <laughs> we, we played at that, uh, we played downtown. It was kind of like this, this hall, this community hall. Masonic? It was like a Masonic temple or something? Or, no, was it yeah, a Federation yeah. Hall? I can't remember. It was a Masonic temple or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, one of those. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, can't sorry. remember exactly. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. I know. It was only a couple months ago. I should remember. Well, and I had just arrived. I just want to say, I had just arrived in town and was just getting settled. And I unfortunately, I missed your show. And I, I apologize because I, in retrospect, what the hell? What are the odds that you would be in Edmonton? I really regret it now. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but my my point is, you know, we're some of us like yourself. You, I. This is sort of weirdly not that far off from what I would normally be like. You know, not leaving the house that much, talking to people remotely, learning about the world. And so when I have a guest on, I say, "Where in the world are you?" 
uh, just to get a sense of where they are and what the place is like. I didn't mean to delve too far into your personal life. I didn't know that you moved. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> No, that's you. You didn't. That's fine. Okay. I, okay. Just, just. I just wanted you to know that I'm. I don't mean to. It's a weird thing. Interviewing, when you think about it, is fancy prying. I'm just prying in a slightly fancy formal way. Yeah. And I. Well, no, I was glad actually, kind of to what I. I'm usually just kind of dodgy about this stuff. I should just say that, like I, I kind of decided not to talk about it so much anymore. Um, okay. Okay, that's fair. It's more interesting, and I. I realize. I could talk about why I don't tell too many, all the details, but yeah. So staying at home, doing stuff from home. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that comes up for an artist like yourself, um, is when you're writing songs, uh, and I think you've done this throughout your, your career thus far, your songs are very personal. So it makes people like me, they seem personal anyway. Do you, do you view this? Are we getting a lot of the real Ezra from the music you're making, or is it narrative based? Is it? Do you feel like you're? You, you said you alluded to the fact that you have a superpower earlier, and yeah. I wonder. I wonder if these characterizations in your songs are a heightened version of your real life. Do they have nothing to do with your real life? How would you characterize your expression? Uh, they've definitely they've, they've definitely got something to do with my real life, uh, like. I am desperate to write a good song. I'm just desperate. And I, I'll, I will do anything. I'll use any resource that I can possibly find. I, so yeah, that includes biographical information, but I don't stick to that and uh, not take stuff from other people's lives or make stuff up. You couldn't really construct my biography from my song lyrics. Uh, and the last this this past record 12 nudes like felt like the most uh the least some of the least fiction um hmm. it was at least just it to me it felt like a process of the weather in my brain transcribing the weather in my brain straight to the record i see okay so an emotional weather report. <laughs> That's fair. And so these kinds of expressions then for those of us looking for them and for those of us who are in the position I'm in are going to lead to some personal questions. You know, you said this. <laughs> so what is this saying about you and your state of mind? And mm. so that's I assume part of your negotiation in agreeing to do an interview or talking to someone is is knowing that that might be coming, right? Knowing that, that I'm going to maybe dig into or delve into something that is in your psyche because it's in yeah. your song, and you're comfortable with that. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, I'll 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 decline to answer if I don't want to or something. Right, right. Let me ask you this because we're doing an audio interview right now. I oddly enough went through this exact same situation with uh, David Berman when David and I. Dave and I have sp had spoken a few times, but uh, or a couple times before that interview that you heard on on this podcast. Yeah. And when we set up the interview, I'd said, as I often do, I'd like to double purpose the interview for both print and for my podcast. And most about a ninety eight percent of people say, "Yeah, no problem, that makes sense." And David from the Drag City camp, I heard David was like, "Well, I'd rather just do print because I don't know." I don't know what it was. I think the sound of his own voice maybe gave him some pause. But I pushed back a little and said, and I, I, this is why I want to frame this question for you. I said to, to David and Drag City, well, you're probably more likely to be burned by a print story because right. your quotes, your commentary, your, your, your behavior will uh, maybe be misconstrued in the context yeah. of a, a harried writer trying to get to deadline. <laughs> they might yes. they might love you, Ezra, but they might just be like, I got to get this thing out of my... I got three other things I got to write. And so something comes out and you're like, ah, that didn't feel like what we talked about. However, this right now, what we're doing to me, and I said this to David and I, I convinced him, this is pure. I'm not moving stuff around. It's your voice. Yes. It's your chance to talk. How could mm -hmm. How could that be worse I'm not, I'm not, I, I, yeah. I'm both. I'm a print and an audio journalist. 
or whatever, a broadcast, a broadcaster. So I know what they're kind of like, but can I put that to you? Have you been more burned by a print than uh, like a radio or podcast interview like the one we're doing now? For sure by print. That's always print. Okay. Um, that, that, yeah. So does this, is and, this more comfortable on the one, on another, on some level? So the other side of it is print can clean you up. Ezra, you you say, um, you say, ah, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to put that yeah. in there. I'm going to make you sound uh, as eloquent as I can by typing up your words. But this is pure. This is you. This is you expressing yourself. Does this feel better on some level? Well, if I won't. I'll only have myself to blame if I say something <laughs> dumb, right? Um, and that's that's better. I okay. I feel like it's better. Um, I mean, in print, yeah, it's like people uh, people print stuff that I know I didn't say, and it, it it just it bothers me actually way more than it should. Why why should it matter? But it just bugs me, and it's also, I don't know, to be perfectly honest, I see a, I, it, it's just, make, it's depressing to see someone whose job it is to write, like, write so, so poorly. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, especially when I know, I don't know, when I said something that, like, was supposed to have some sense to it, and then they just butchered it into a non-sentence I don't know. Yeah. So, um, and, and you were saying earlier that you try to restrain yourself a little bit because of the comments you get. Uh, I think you were saying, right? Like people must respond to your social media posts by text. Like they, they, they text back. A, I mean, they don't text you, but you know what I mean? They write a little comment back. You don't get that with the audio. Very few people, I'm sure, are leaving you angry voicemails. Maybe they are. I don't know. But do you know what I mean? Like it's weird. Like I feel like yeah. this is weirdly hopefully kind of a, a safer zone to express yourself. I agree. And then you get, I get, you know, I, I very rarely do you get much, a lot of, you know, angry rancor directed at you because of a, an audio interview you've done. It's weird. It's a weird thing. And uh, anyway, I was just getting at that because I just want to, I just want to make sure you're, you're comfortable and all those things, you know, obviously. Yeah. We, I, we, I, we may have made too much of my screen. Yes. That's, it's been a, a bit. Yes. I just, well, I, 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 I get, I, I tell you, this whole ordeal has made me self conscious about some of what I do. I, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah, I can, it's imagine. interesting. Like all of my musician friends are in trouble. Um, all of them, like the, the livelihoods are at stake here. I mean, this is true of m- many aspects of our, shared economy but i relate to the cultural workers the most because that's who i tend to support and the ones i want to talk to and so i mean i'm doing this for i do this to contribute something you know and to give people a space and a platform what happens now like how are you feeling as an artist right now your tours have been canceled you've just put out a soundtrack as well as this record and all of that activity has been at the very least temporarily halted. Um, can you, can you yeah. speak to that? I know you, we talked that you're expressing yourself with these cover songs just to keep your voice uh, probably active for yourself and to express yourself. But honestly, can you right. speak to what's your feeling right now? Well, um, it well uh, all this, this change, this, Everything about how human civilization runs worldwide has changed very drastically, very quickly, and there's all there's a lot of raw, unprocessed thoughts and emotions. And it's like that's what comes to mind first, like about my, I mean, my biggest fears and worries are for people other than myself, and just sort of like what is going to happen right now to the world economy and etc um yeah i have my own my fear i got a lot of yeah fears that just apply to me i mean i lost some income uh we were gonna go on tour in europe it was sort of like yeah we had we had shows planned in the spring and in the summer and uh i'm not sure any of it's gonna happen festivals are being canceled or postponed we're like rescheduling things we were gonna do in april and may for like later in the year mm-hmm. but i don't know i just like i think maybe like re- you know 
restaurants might open, but will crowded concert halls, like, will that feel like a safe thing to do even by November? I don't know. And so it's a big chunk out of my income and like all my bandmates income. And I'm, ah, I'm just concerned for us. I don't, uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to work out. Apparently, um, well, we're hoping to be able to do the, everyone's hoping that this show, this TV show, Sex Education, that we're doing yeah. the music for, we, we've done two seasons of of it, and uh, we, we're supposed to do the third season. I don't know if it's going to be delayed or not. So far, it looks like they're not necessarily delayed shooting it. Hmm, really? Um, we... Yeah, but we and we we might be delayed getting together to make music because we we don't live in the same town. My mm. band, you know, I just m- moved away. One 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 bandmate lives in Chicago and two two mm. in California. So it's a uh, it's like a what the era we're in now is like. Oh, we gotta we gotta make a make plans to get together and yeah, um, a cross country trip trip to do some recording like. It's probably inadvisable right now. There's a there's a sense that your dynamic is that of a a solo artist that puts bands together. Do you think of yourself as more of a? But I mean, of late, and I mean, you've always had bands; they've had different names. Um, but uh, of late, do you feel more like a band person than your? I mean, obviously, sorry, we we're talking about these <laughs> social <laughs> social isolation covers, and we we're talking about being kind of alone with ourselves a lot. So maybe the answer to this is obvious. Prior to the pandemic, let's go that let's go that route. Right. Were you feeling more like I'm a band person uh more than I am a, a solo entity that does everything my myself? Well, to be honest, like uh so I so I had I first I started a music career with my college band called Ezra Furman and the Harpoons. Mm-hmm. And then that that band kind of ended in uh 2011 2012 times and i thought what i was doing then is like i'll be like uh you know like what whatever um paul simon does he puts a band together to make a record Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's what i thought i was going to be doing but then basically i the first band i put so i made this record with random people and the first band I put together to actually go on tour when that record came out, that record is called The Year of No Returning. Mm-hmm. That band just turned out to be like a power. How we turned into this thing that opened possibilities for me. I don't know. Just a, like we had a we had an amazing dynamic, and I could see it was like going somewhere as a band that was going to be more interesting than like putting bands to gather catch as catch can and then that band has been the same that's been my band since 2012 i mean i we, i've renamed it you know <laughs> questionable choices i guess to rename my band it's always my name on the front of the record and as the artist name and then on the back we've got it's been the the boyfriends and the visions and uh now we just kind of have no name because i got i kind of got tired of um i don't know curating what kind of impression we make uh, I, I'm, it's really a fuck it era for me it's just like let's just be a <laughs> band like we don't i'm i'm done marketing myself so there's no if you were to look back on it there's not i mean if you were to look back on it you might see some method to the madness of whatever your the the new band name was but you're also saying there's yeah. a little there's a little nihilism there as well. A little nihil, a little now, or well, you're saying that there was kind of this fuck it, who cares? Like I, <laughs> you know, that's all yeah. I mean. I, I wouldn't call it nihilism. I'm, I'm nihilism is like a is like a almost a it's an ideological trigger word for me. I'm like I am not a nihilist, and I'm not down with nihilism, and I don't think nihilism being cool is a thing i can i can barely stand it when okay. i see it in people but uh, sorry it's it's maybe the word just <laughs> got me off course but it but it is like a fuck it like i'm not trying to market this i'm not trying to like 
the less the less efforts at marketing I do, the better. I mean, I'm not an easy artist really to market. I'm I'm promotionally unstable. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like you you're very clear headed. Actually, I I don't feel that way. I feel like with every dispatch. Uh, I feel like there's been a lot of thought in how records are contextualized. Like the the there's a line in the biographical info about Twelve Nudes that Twelve Nudes is a body more than a mind record, more an, yeah. more animal than intellectual. Uh, looking back on this statement, uh, what does that mean to you uh, about this record exactly? Yeah, it's um, I I guess like. I did this record with like an anti, I was a little bit anti-editing, anti, like I wanted to do our first instinct. I mean, I can't help but con- contrast it to our, our previous record, which was Transangelic Exodus, which was like, uh, I wrote forever for it, you know, and I edited and and musically also, like everything, every song we recorded we we would do our f- first instinct and then be like, okay, we can't do that. We've got to do something. We would never... We wanted it to, to not not ever go with our first instinct on that record and uh, like shape it into something unusual. And uh, then I just like all that... all that careful craft... I was like, this next time we're throwing that out the window, we're going to go visceral. We're going to play this the way you can tell. It was, it's, I mean, I guess I also wrote very, very different kind of songs. They're, they're sort of, yeah. I mean, the, the goal was to make a punk rock record. I had, I had all this trouble because what turned out to be one of my favorite songs on the record is I want to be your girlfriend, which is the, the ballad and i was like no 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 that was the whole thing we don't do we don't we're gonna do all fast loud kind of dumb but it is interesting to me that i want to be your girlfriend uh it reminds me of course of the ramon song i want to be your boyfriend sure, and i assume yeah. it's an uh, it's an allusion to that on some level oh yeah yeah <laughs> but it's as you say it's not necessarily the most there are more ramonesy songs on 12 nudes than this one that's right. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a gentle it's a gentle song in the middle of all the I don't know the visceral, physical, fast, screamy stuff. Was there the 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 deliberation that you describe in making uh, the previous record, Transangelic yeah. Exodus? Do you know where that came from? This idea of really meticulously thinking about how the record was going to be received or, or rather made. Where did that motivation come from at the time? Do you remember? You know, I think every time I make a record, I feel proud of it. And then, and then I'm like, okay, that was fine for that record. But the next time it's got to be way better. It's got to be like, I don't know. It's maybe just my, it's my way to just get sick of stuff, you know? As I said on mm. a, a, a song from five years ago or something, I'm sick of this record already. Like, that was how the side two of one of our records opens. I'm sick of this record. And uh, I just get, like, I'm just, like, disgusted. To be honest, I'm, like, after I make a record... There's a period of like, that's good. And it's not like I reject it and actually think it is of no value, but I'm just like, going forward, I'm not going to do anything like that bullshit record we just did. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, so I think it was that. I, I think it was like, this one's with Transangelic Exodus. I'm like, I was like reading um, experimental fiction. And I was like reading stuff that's like, and listening to music that consciously was like trying to take leave of some of the 
obvious stuff that preceded it, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, like great records like Back or like Portishead, like who were like sort of breaking ground and gave you a feeling of like, oh, wow, you can just do whatever you want. So it was some of that. And maybe also getting back to the like doing interviews that are all about like t- telling all this personal stuff and, and our record was so personal perpetual motion people <laughs> uh yeah we like you know i'd like come to making a new record i'm like oh what am i gonna like talk about my feelings now again that's hmm. gross that's so i'm sick of myself i'm gonna make some some strange uh, fantasy i mean i think what you're saying isn't that far off from what almost every artist does their 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 most recent thing is in some ways a reaction to the thing that preceded it whether it's an album Mm -hmm. or movie a book like you've you've taken all of the experience that you kind of gained from that last process and Mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna apply it to your next one so you're kind of all i mean in a weird way 12 nudes might be sort of reacting to your entire discography not just the, the the most immediate you know, most recent record. Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not only, I don't know about entire discography, but like, it's often a counter reaction, not only to the last record, but like sort of what my persona has become. Cause like, right. You go out and play a bunch of shows. I mean, we tour a lot and, uh, especially if like it's the the show is sort of all about me and I talk about myself and it's like yeah I guess I I see the per, I see a persona that I'm creating and hmm. I get tired of it and I I'm like I got to push in a different direction part of that with 12 nudes was like I felt like I was becoming this voice of um hopefulness and this like we're gonna pull through i don't know because i wrote most of that transangelic exodus record i don't know it felt like the political world and public life was a little bit grim but then um the donald trump era began sort of like as we were starting to record that transangelic exodus record right and it was pretty much written anyway so it was like that was that's the climate was like an influence on that record for sure um but then it's just started to feel like i can't like go around telling everybody hey it's all gonna be okay don't despair we're gonna get through this together because like that doesn't really feel that true And, and like some of these situations like some kind of louder more desperate alarm seems to like need to be sounded that's that's how it felt to me like i started feeling what felt like real panic um and Mm. like like just like fury i mean there's there was some fury i had fury in my music before but it just felt like not enough so that's why i end up writing a a line like i wasted my 20s in submission yeah this, that's from Evening Prayer? Evening Prayer, yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's songs like that one, and even in America, like it does feel like you're taking, maybe Evening Prayer is not the best example of this, but there is, there are, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, what I was going to say is you, it does feel a lot like you're taking negative feelings um, and trying to f- silver lining them a little bit without being hokey about it. Like you're trying to take that negativity and harness it, and then propels, propel yourself to make something positive out of it? Is that... I mean, I feel like since 2016, that's what a lot of Americans that I speak to have been trying to do. Hmm. Is that is that accurate on some level? Is that what you think is going on here and there? I mean, I... As, as, as an anti-nihilist, which I said, you know... Um, <laughs> sure. I think that... So the silver lining kind of always comes out of it, no matter how negative I try to be. But it, it actually, it doesn't feel like that's what I was trying to say out loud. Something's wrong. Something is wrong, um, mm. and it's really wrong. And 
in a way it's not going to be okay because it's all already not okay. It's already too late for some of us. And uh, how bad does this really feel? Let's feel how bad it really feels and, um, and lean into the pain. And I guess the silver lining for me is like, you need to do that sometimes. You need to say, this hurts, this feels wrong. Or else you cannot yeah. be cured of the ailment. It's sort of literal in that song, My Teeth Hurt, <laughs> which uh, which was a real detail from my life. I just had a toothache for like a month or more. Mm. Um, and I was like, I don't think I need to do anything about it. I don't have dental insurance. It's going to, I can't really afford to do something about it. It's probably fine. It'll just go away. And it just was getting worse and worse. And uh, <laughs> it that is... Um, it seems like a lot of what everybody's doing with um, just problems of human civilization. You know? Yeah. It's kind of doing the same thing with um, fears about climate change. Um, the, the just like the horror and the the fury of like watching the rich kill the poor um and get away with it again and again yeah and that that one that i actually made up that song i mean i've been listening to tons of punk rock and i realized when i wrote that i was sort of like oh i think we're i think i'm gonna do just like a actual punk rock record that sounds like a punk rock record Mm. And then I started writing a bunch of songs like that. Well, as I said at some point, it's uh, 12 News is remarkable. And it's I, I appreciate the fury of it and the thoughtfulness and catchy as hell. I mean, it reminds me of the... I know I think Jay Retard was an influence, and I, mm. I hear that. Uh, I mentioned the Ramones. Uh, I'm a huge... My daughter's name, Ramona. I like the Ramones. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I hear, I hear them... I hear them in there. It's it's wonderful. Um, we've talked about some of what you've been up to since the self-isolation has really come into effect in terms of you singing other people's songs and sharing them on social media and elsewhere. Have you started to write since uh, this record came out, since your soundtrack uh, to Sex Education has come out? I mean, I know some of those songs are uh, older songs, right? Some of them are, yeah. Some of them are. Yeah. Are new. Yeah. So have you, I guess my point here is, have you tried writing uh, since self-isolation started? And and even prior to that, I mean, I know records come out uh, sometimes months or years after, uh, you know, after they've been done. So that means that the artist is already working on the next batch of material when we're they might have be almost done it by the time we hear the thing that <laughs> they were done a while ago. Where yeah. are you at in terms of a, a, another batch of songs, both in terms of since these two releases have come out and now that we're in this period of, well, what are we going to do but stay inside and contemplate what a world like this might be like? Have you been writing in these two realms or periods, I suppose? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I don't really stop or start with with songwriting I'm, I'm always working on it it's actually been in the past month i guess even less like it's i'm starting to feel like i can see some songs coming into view it, it it's uh it's weird the songwriting process really has changed for me and i used to tend to write songs in one sitting always and now i rarely do that and it's it's always like um i come up with something i'm like this is interesting i start to record it i listen back to it i'm like that's terrible that should never be heard and then uh and then maybe like three weeks a month six months maybe go by and i return to that recording and i'm like oh there's actually something it's like i have to forget that i was the person who did it you know i have to like forget what i was hoping to do 
and failed to do because I because you you only ever fail like it's just like for me writing is just this failure process you just fail and fail and fail and then um like it's like it's so brutal it's it's so brutal and mm. if you come back to something later you can't remember what you were trying to succeed at and then you can just hear it as like oh it's not an attempt at something it's a little thing it's a cool thing maybe it's a good thing i don't know that's kind of how it works for me so uh so right now I'm, it does i'm feeling like i'm finding a lot of these old failures and being like hey there's something interesting here and then i trying to finish those turn those into things so i don't know that's not really answered your question at all but i'm just always in in that um process uh, no, I, I I think it does answer my. It's, it does speak to something. Okay, so that what you're saying, what you're just saying, in combination with the fact that you've decided to kind of reflect upon uh, songwriters and songs that mean a lot to you by others. This t- sometimes you need this time when we have time like this. When we go on vacation, when we take a little time off from our regular lives, we reflect. So it seems to me like you're reflecting in this time thus far. You're thinking about that batch of stuff that you never finished and you're thinking about the people that might have might have inspired you to get started that seems to be your mode is what you're saying you're just reflecting a little bit it is true i mean and but yeah it's also a bit fragmented there's there's usually somebody in the next room now you know um i think that's a in ice in this social distancing time we're like I don't. I haven't heard other artists really say this, but I feel like it's got to be ubiquitously true that like you can't find, you can't have the house to yourself as much. Um, mm. You, yeah, you can't like you'll be overheard if you're making your usual terrible sounds that will eventually become something. Maybe you know, like maybe that's why I'm not starting new things so much right now because I'm like people can hear me when I'm just like playing bad chords and. Just, you know spouting gibberish <laughs> it's a very so, good like, point that's a that's a really good point yeah i think that might stop some people up yeah that that's probably why i'm like they can hear me in the next room so i better like work on something that at least has a couple lines written already <laughs> yeah yeah well i um i wanted to let people know and i'm hoping you can let people know where if people want to learn more about your recent work the soundtrack for sex education 12 nudes Whatever else you're oh, up yeah. to, where would you direct people to go on the internet? As we're speaking, currently still works. Um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people using it, so I'm worried it's going to just stop one day and they won't be able to put it back up. But for now, for now, yeah, <laughs> where would you send we people? Got... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, major. If you just want to like sample it for free, which uh, you can do, uh. There's all all those streaming platforms, whichever one you tend to use. It's all like on YouTube. It's all on Spotify. Um, I'm trying to get back in the habit of uh, telling people to go to our website, you know, buy merchandise from us, which is uh, perfectly possible from EzraFerman.com. Okay. You know, merchandise, music. If uh, some people have like less disposable income right now, some people actually have more. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like whatever you can do, but yeah, uh, us musicians, you know, we're we're hurting a little bit. Um, we, could, we could use the extra support. Okay. I know a lot of people, you know, haven't bought a record in uh, five years, ten years, or something. You know, since it all became free, and uh, I'm just saying, the less money you spend less money we make at our jobs basically yeah absolutely absolutely yeah well, i'm I, I i agree with you and I, I i support that i hope people and, and i'm also trying to buy music where i can the other weird issue is that people aren't shipping the postal service is also hampered by this and oh yeah i know uh, people aren't shipping things like it's very complicated for people who uh like records and um physical things so but still ezraferman.com um ezra is there oh, and you're on you're on what facebook and twitter and all those things i assume yeah and instagram and facebook and twitter 
Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm not like, I use them a little bit sparingly, but nowadays I'm putting up a video of myself playing someone else's song almost every day. Almost every day. It's amazing. And I thank you for doing that. It does, like I say, it's meaningful. Uh, if that mad, if that means anything to you, it's meaningful for those of us who appreciate you and your work. I'm happy because it, cause it just, it's like a grounding daily ritual for me. It's like, I've found it oddly um, meditative and uh, or something medicinal, healing. Yeah, yeah. Well, if there's a song from 12 Newts or even the Sex Education soundtrack that we can go out on that I can play for people right now, which one would you choose? Well, <laughs> shoot. Uh, I would have said like, we we got this song now. We have a song that I feel like has become like pointedly irrelevant called because it has two titles, Calm Down, I Should Not Be Alone. And both of those are like pointedly false right now. Like, like, don't don't be calm. <laughs> and uh, and you should be alone. But uh, uh, let me just direct us to. A song I'm proud of called Transition from Nowhere to Nowhere from 12 Nudes. Okay. Is there a particular reason you shifted from Calm Down, a.k.a. I Should Not Be Alone, to Transition from Nowhere to Nowhere? Why did that song speak to you? I mean, I guess I thought of it like like the My Teeth Hurt song. Um, it it's like a it's a song that says, hey, like something's really wrong. This feels really, really bad. It's sort of like... I don't know. To me right now, the songs like that are helpful. It's like, you're not imagining it. Like, it feels bad. Say that it yeah. feels bad. And then you can feel yeah. good if you let the negativity and the pain, like, have its moment and, like, stop turning away from it. Just lean into it and feel it and it, let it hurt. Then it'll then it'll um, leave the stage after it gets its moment. And you know, we can feel happiness and and peace again for most of the day. But we do got to re- release those uh, those demons from time well, to time. Well, that's well said. Yeah, no, that's that's very well said. All right, this is transition from nowhere to nowhere from the uh, excellent album Twelve Nudes by Ezra Furman. Uh, Ezra, thank you so much for your time and for being on this show and, and for being you. I appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck with everything going forward. It's totally a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All my love and gratitude to Ezra Furman for appearing on this, the 538th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all podcast platforms. Whatever you're accessing the show with now, if you can subscribe, download the show, that would be great. Then you keep tabs on the show, and you get into the show, and you tell your friends about the show, and that's how the show thrives. That's how it thrives. So thank you for uh, checking out this episode, and I hope you check out others. Uh, actually, if you want to learn more about me and and access you know episodes of the show from the very beginning and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. Also, go to patreon.com slash creative control. Make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Now, there's a $6 or more tier it gets you uh, access to exclusive content. And often that is uh, older interviews I've done prior to this show or, or what have you. Recently, uh, an episode, I, I posted an episode in, in the exclusive uh, series with uh, the late Hal Wilner, music producer of Saturday Night Live, an interview I conducted with him in 2006. Before that, Sufjan Stevens, a long-form interview with Sufjan Stevens. So if you like, you know, just exclusive content and you like this show and you want to see maybe where I came from because you know some of it I'm just starting out and I don't really know what I'm doing but I'm posting this stuff just just for you I like that I think the people are interesting maybe I don't come off that great whatever it's fine patreon.com slash creative control to learn more about helping the show that way thanks again to live at masseyhall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists they have lots of them and they look great, so check that out, live at MasseyHall.com. Also, thanks to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for loaning me music that I can use on the show. Go to JimGuthrie.org to learn more about him. And again, thank you. Thank you for listening to this uh, episode with Ezra Furman and for uh, listening to the show generally. I will keep making more of them. I have to go now to keep making more of them, so I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 